0: Today, on The Journey.
1: If you are a man, you have a phenomenal opportunity to reject this idea that abortion is a woman's issue. The more men that speak up, the faster we'll end this. We just have to have the courage to confront the lies.
0: How can the inhumane practice of abortion be ended? That's Ron Moores and special guest, Brian Fisher's focus in this broadcast. They speak to the five groups who can sweep abortion into the dustbin of history. First, please note the comforting devotional we'd like to send you. It's titled Refuge, and in its 90 pages, you'll discover the path to God's sheltering presence. It's available on our website at ronmore.org. Your gift today will help further this ministry of developing followers of Jesus Christ. And before we begin, a brief programming note. On today's broadcast, you'll hear Online for Life, referenced by Ron and Brian Fisher. Brian and the resources he talks about are now available at Human Coalition, which is found at humancoalition.org. So when you hear Online for Life, think and visit Human Coalition. That's all one word, humancoalition.org. Now here's Ron to introduce his special guest for a discussion titled Ending Abortion on the journey
2: talking to Brian Fisher we're talking about his book abortion the ultimate exploitation of women we encourage you to get it to read it to use it as a resource for some history of abortion and Brian some feminists are beginning to understand that maybe this whole empowerment issue really isn't what it was cracked up to be. I'm Mm -hmm. going to read a quote here. This is from a feminist. Liberal men support abortion for women, not because they want women to be able to control their bodies, but because they know that unrestricted abortions heighten women's availability to men for sex. That Mm -hmm. was a pretty pointed quote there from a feminist.
1: Yes, and that feminist is accurate in their assessment, although I'd prefer that they take it to the next step, which is let's be about the business of defending women's rights truly, which mm-hmm. includes those females in the womb. We tend to talk about women's rights not remembering that 50% of the babies that are aborted are female. So we're not talking about all females' rights, we're only talking about a certain class of females' rights. The Sexuality that we've been discussing has been so pervasive that it has taken some really strong things to wake up even the sexualized, secularized culture. The Gosnell trial from a few years ago was a catalyst moment. Kermit Gosnell was an abortion doctor in Philadelphia, and the police came in and raided his abortion clinic on illegal prescription drug charges, but instead found a house of horrors. And even those who are hardcore pro-abortion advocates acknowledged that the way women were treated for years in that clinic was not good for women. Mm -hmm. And the Kermit Gosnell case is not isolated. There are stories all over the country, frankly, all the time, of women being abused and mistreated and killed and raped inside abortion clinics. Again, we sanitize this. It's such an abstraction from the abortion procedure because we don't live in that world. We're not in the abortion room and we don't see what goes on. But the horror that occurs just in the procedure itself for women in many cases is something that is tragic and unforgettable and mars the woman for life. And so isolated incidents like that where the horrors of abortion and what it does to women genuinely come out – cause even the most hardened pro-abortion advocate to stand up and say, mm-hmm. mm, "Yeah, maybe we need to rethink some of this. Are they pro-life? No. But are they at least willing to have a conversation about what abortion is actually doing
2: to our country? Yeah,
1: I think we're getting to that mm-hmm. point.
2: And that's the starting point. That is a starting point. Let's have a
1: conversation. That's right.
2: Brian, in your book, there are some, you call it tempting Philosophies. There are some questions that people use. Let's just very quickly go through some of these. The first one is, well, abortion's a women's issue.
1: Yeah, it's an excuse for men. Obviously, it takes a man and a woman to create the beautiful new human baby. At the same time, we are wired to provide and protect including protecting our families and our children. So when we say abortion is a women's issue, that is basically men taking a pass saying, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. Legally, I have nothing to do with it. My argument in the book is morally, biblically, we have everything to do with it. Mm -hmm. We started it. We continue to benefit from it. Those of us that are sexually promiscuous, we are obligated to stop it. And so in many ways, it's a man's issue.
2: Another argument for abortion life progresses in value as it matures
1: that is the keystone of the pro-abortion argument because biology and science has eroded their previous arguments so the abortion industry basically has to maintain that life in the womb is less valuable than life outside the womb that is the only argument they have anymore The problem with that is there is no reason to hold to that position morally. So, for example, if we would say, well, a life that is 12 weeks old in the womb is worth far less than life 12 weeks after birth, less valuable, then I would say, then is a 10-year-old far more valuable than a life that's 12 weeks old? You'd say, well, that doesn't make any sense. My 10-year-old is the same value as my three-month-old baby. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, then why are we all of a sudden discriminating against a 12 week Mm -hmm. old in the womb. So there is no logical, reasonable argument that life in the womb is less valuable. And that is where the conversation should always go when we're faced with that process by saying, oh, life in the womb is less valuable. Why? Help me understand why. Well, we shouldn't honor life until the life is viable. Okay. Viability, meaning the life the baby is able to exist outside of the womb, it used to be 28, 26 weeks. Well, because of medical advances, it's now 22, 23, 24 weeks. We're getting better and better at sustaining life outside of the womb at earlier stages. So what do we say about that? Is life viable at 28? Is it viable at 24? Why is viability determine value? So there are no good arguments. And let me encourage everybody who's listening, Scott Klusendorf's book, The Case for Life, is the best resource on that specific topic But it is very easy to defend the fact that life is priceless inside the womb and outside the womb.
2: Mm -hmm. Brian, here's another argument you address in the book. Again, uh, just summarize this real quick for us. And you hear this one a lot. Abortion is required to keep other social ills at bay. And so to bring that child into this family situation, abortion would be better.
1: We hear this a lot, and I get emails about this all the time. Well, if the baby is born into a drug-infested home, or if the baby isn't wanted, or if the baby is born into this, that, and the other thing, obligations of the church notwithstanding, the argument presumes that it's better to be dead than alive. We're saying it's better to kill the child than to give the child the opportunity to live. There is no moral argument to sustain that. In fact, I don't know how many great leaders, including our current president, by the way, who was born into a difficult set of circumstances, we would argue that it was better that they would be killed than that they would have the chance to live. When you consider 56 million children, which is impossible to mm-hmm. conceive of what that looks like, but 56 million children dead, how many teachers, pastors, doctors, astronauts, scientists, social workers, church workers have we killed in the name of convenience? We talk about America being the greatest nation on the planet. I would argue we would be far greater mm-hmm. if we would stop killing 169 states population, but we keep killing off some of the brightest minds and best personalities and most wonderful actors and actresses that we've never met because we've killed them. It's a matter of perspective. We can look at a human being from a utilitarian way and say, well, it's another mouth to feed, or we can look at a child for what it is, a priceless human being with unlimited potential that has the ability to positively impact our world around us, which is the way we should look at every single child Mm -hmm. that's born.
2: So, Brian, in your book, again, you're addressing these arguments for abortion. Let's look at one more here. You just want to save babies. You do nothing to help those who are born. You want that baby to be born, but then as soon as they're born they're off your radar screen
1: well one there's no pro life around the planet that that's actually true for i mean i interact with almost every major pro-life organization in the country and everybody is concerned about the family however you don't have a family unless the child has a chance to survive it would be similar to saying well that ambulance service doesn't care about my physical rehab it only cares about saving the life so that makes me angry because all they're going to do is jumpstart my heart. They aren't going to help me with my rehab six mm-hmm. weeks down the road. That's the argument, which you look at and say, well, that's, that's pure foolishness. The pro-life movement has an obligation to rescue the child. That's why we exist. We are the ER for the abortion epidemic in our country. But that doesn't mean that we don't care and provide for other needs. And there are literally millions of people who are doing just that. At Online for Life, we do provide some of the aftercare services, but we also link with churches and parachurch organizations and other social service organizations that do that because we do care Mm -hmm. about not only the child, but about the entire family. Often the criticism is, and we get these emails quite a bit, well, if you're not adopting, you're not pro-life. Well, People are called to adopt, and that's a specific part of their life that's important to them. And let me tell you, we get requests daily, daily, from parents across the country asking to adopt the child who is about to be aborted. And because of the bureaucracy and because of the system, that's not always possible. But there is no shortage of people that want to adopt these children. So it is a comment that's made usually just to justify some other sort of behavior, but pro-lifers in general, of which every evangelical Christian should be one, is concerned about first preserving the life and protecting the life, and then, of course, providing for the family.
2: I want you to speak to five groups of people. On this spiritual issue of abortion, speak to the men who are listening.
1: If you are post-abortive, if you're the father of a post-abortive child, and you are still struggling with that. My strong encouragement, heartfelt endorsement, is to speak with another Christian man, pastor, friend, and receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And then, share your story. It's hard. It's really Mm -hmm. hard. But God will give you opportunities in certain places to share the fact that you are the father of an aborted child. I can commit to you, you'll save a child. By you sharing the pain and the hurt that you've gone through, you will influence another man. It may not be for 5, 10, 15 years, but you will save another child. Please accept Christ's forgiveness and then share your story. If you're not post-abortive, if you've never had that experience and you are a man, you have a phenomenal opportunity to be a voice in your community to reject this idea that abortion is a woman's issue. Maybe it's in church, maybe it's in your business, maybe it's in a community setting, maybe it's in a social setting, maybe it's in a government setting. As you articulate the pro-life position with winsomeness and grace and compassion, God has given and will give you a platform to convey that message. The more men that speak up, the faster we'll end this. Mm -hmm. We just have to have the courage to confront the lies. And let's do that together and i personally and online for life will provide whatever resource and help we can to you whether or not you're post-abortive because we want to see abortion ended and we need you to do that
2: brian many women are listening speak to those who are listening regarding this issue of abortion
1: for those that have had abortions there's a special soft spot in my heart for you that the lord has kind of melted over the past five or six years. I interact quite a bit with women who have aborted their children, and I see the pain, I see the guilt, I see the shame, I've seen the tears, and Christ's forgiveness covers that sin. And I think the one thing that I can convey to that group is it is possible to return to a tender heart. And I would encourage them to pray for that. Oftentimes, women who are post-abortive get very hardened and cynical, and that's not the heart of Christ. Hmm. And Christ will provide that newness of heart back to them again. For those women that are not post-abortive but are concerned about this, my encouragement is to reach out to those in your church who have been through it. There's a wonderful ministry called Embrace Grace that you can look up online, and that consists of women ministering to women. They are a church-based ministry, and they form women's groups in churches who work with women in crisis pregnancy situations. It's one of the most tangible, marvelous expressions of the gospel I've ever seen. Come a part of that group or start your own group to where you are rallying around women in your church and in your community who are going through an unplanned pregnancy. Most women who are in an unplanned pregnancy are scared to death to step into a church. Change that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Change that. You can change that by welcoming them, finding them welcoming them and bring them inside your church to receive that compassion and that grace and folks who haven't been through abortion women have just the most
2: marvelous platform to do that work you've talked about the essential part the church has to play speak to pastors who are listening
1: we need you we need you to talk about it we need you to put away the fear of addressing abortion in your church I know that there are political ramifications and the IRS has been banging the drum. I know that there are people in your church that are pro-abortion and that are going to be angry if you deal with it. I know that there are folks in your pews who have had abortions and are suffering and you're afraid because you don't want to open up those wounds. But, Pastor, we need you to gracefully, compassionately work through this challenge. Your church has untold number of people in it who have had abortions Mm -hmm. and need that healing and your church is uniquely positioned through Christ to be a voice for other unborn children We will be a resource. We have great guys on staff who can help. You can go to multiplylife.com, get in contact with me, get in contact with the other pastors we have on staff. We will help you. We will walk you through how to discuss it. We will make suggestions in terms of how we can serve you. My one very heartfelt request is at least start the conversation because there is no other issue as deep and dark and evil as this one, and it is impacting your church. And we need you to help us on this, and we will serve you however we can.
2: Brian, a professor at seminary, I attended Dallas Theological Seminary, Howard Hendricks, used to say, if Christianity doesn't work at home, it doesn't work. Talk to parents about this issue of abortion, and as you've been talking, the critical need we have to own our influence as parents.
1: I think the very best thing parents can do to end abortion is to have... A Christ-centered, phenomenal marriage. Sexual purity inside the marriage obviously will not cause an abortion because adulterous affairs are a primary driver of abortion. So stay together, stay faithful. Cultivate that marriage and let your kids see that marriage. The second thing would be talk about it. I ask probably often, at what age do you start talking about abortion in the home? I think it's a judgment call on behalf Mm -hmm. of the parents based on the maturity of your kids. But my youngest son was about eight or nine when I first started helping him understand in very simple terms right. what pregnancy was and what abortion was. and he immediately got it and today he would be able to articulate that. So don't be afraid to have those conversations. The reality is if you haven't had abortion in your life somewhere, untold number of people in your circle have, mm-hmm. and your kids are going to run into it and they're going to run into it really quickly. So talk about the priceless value of each human life. Talk about what unplanned pregnancy means. Talk about why we need to be protecting and preserving human life. If you start that early and cultivate in your kids a respect for God's human creation and a desire to protect human life, your kids quite likely could be leaders as we end this. And we would be thrilled to see that happen. Model it in your marriage. Talk about it in your home. And we will see tremendous things even if just those two things happen.
2: We're talking to Brian Fisher, who heads up Online for Life. That's onlineforlife.org. We encourage you to go check out their website, see how you can get involved, see how you can use them as a resource in this critical issue. Brian has also written this book we've been talking about over the last few days, Abortion, the Ultimate Exploitation of Women. We encourage you to get that book as a resource and as helpful application regarding how you can address the issue of abortion in your family and among your friends and brian you have a new book that's out right now tell us about that book yeah
1: it just came out it's called deliver us from abortion awakening the church to end the killing of america's children i have been provoked through my prayer time and reading that we desperately need evangelicals to be involved in this effort It was a tough project, Ron. I mean, it was a year-long project, which is the longest I've taken to write a book. A lot of research, a lot of Bible study. And it explores this issue from a couple different viewpoints. The first is, what is abortion in the church? How often does it happen in the church? What is the church's perception about abortion? Do they care? How do they care? What are they doing? And the first third of the book kind of uncovers what's happening in America in the church. Mm -hmm. The second part of the book is really a very simple Bible study. What does the Bible say? You know, a lot of folks say, hey, the word abortion doesn't appear in the Bible. The Bible's got nothing to say about it. Mm -hmm. Or in some cases, we think the Bible endorses abortion. So I went through several months of pretty in-depth Bible study and shared that with folks through the book about what the Bible actually says about the abortion holocaust in America. And the last part of the book is what can we do? The hardest part of the book is that I actually went through doctrinal statements of a number of large Protestant denominations, and I contrasted those statements with Scripture. And we have to consider the fact that well over half of Protestantism in America today is not pro-life. We just have to deal with that reality Mm -hmm. and work to winsomely minister to those folks. But part of the reason the Protestant church is so silent is because they're actually pro-life. And so the book explores some of those statements, and is a little bit rough in those patches because mm-hmm. we don't pull punches about right. what Scripture says, and we also don't pull punches about the erroneous teachings of various churches. But the book closes with very simple action steps, seven things that any church can do to begin to be involved or increase their involvement in protecting human life. And I'm super excited about it. Tough book to read, tough book to write. But there are some truths in there that I think we have to confront as a church. And the desire, though, is not Mm -hmm. to critique or to criticize. It is to mobilize and to encourage. And my prayer is that this next book really does that, that we see the American church, Protestant and Catholic, rise up and become the catalyst that we need them to be in order to end abortion in America.
2: Talking with Brian Fisher, who heads up and leads Online for Life, onlineforlife.org. Go check it out. Look at the books he has written. You'll want to read those. You'll want to use them as a resource and give them to others as well. Brian, we really appreciate you being on these days. Thank you so much for coming to Pittsburgh and recording this. And we just thank you for all that you do regarding this critical issue of abortion. I'm going to ask you to pray for us before we go. And just pray that God would continue to speak into the hearts of people as your ministry does, one person at a time to end abortion in America and that his spirit would minister in his gentle and encouraging way in so many lives and so many people who are listening.
1: I'd be honored to do that, and thank you. Online for Life was born really out of this church, and I know you personally in the chapel and this show is perpetually talking about this and deeply involved. Mm-hmm. In my view, you and this church are a model church mm-hmm. for the rest of the nation, and I'm ecstatic to see what God and the Holy Spirit continues to do through you and your new church mm-hmm. on this Thanks. behalf, so I'm deeply grateful, but I'd be happy to, to close out our time in prayer. Gracious God, author of life, who has created each and every human being in your image, we give you praise and glory for that marvelous fact Father, we confess that as a nation, and even as a church, we have permitted and committed an atrocity against you and your creation in that we have allowed the killing of 56 million voiceless, weak, innocent children to be slaughtered in the name of convenience. And for that, we ask your forgiveness. We humbly pray that you would redeem us, and that you would renew us, and that you would return us to a culture that values all of life from conception through natural death. Father, we pray for your church. We ask that you would empower us, that you would enable us with humility, with grace, with compassion, with the right words, to be a voice of protecting life in our nation. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen.
0: Again, the resources mentioned in today's discussion are currently found at humancoalition.org. And please stay with us for a preview of our next time together. Are you looking for a place to shelter from life's inevitable storms? Is your heart desperate for a calm harbor to rest? Would you like to find safety and peace of mind where neither seems possible? Well, the place where those are discovered is described in Ron Moore's encouraging devotional titled Refuge. Within its 90 pages, God's promises of comfort, protection, and healing will revive your spirit. Refuge is yours for a gift of any amount at ronmoore.org. Again, that web address is ronmoore.org. Or you may call 724-731-2018. That's 724-731-2018. Your gift today will help keep the journey on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now let's rejoin Ron for a preview of our next broadcast. And this
2: book is a fresh look at what real Christian living is all about. A life that overflows with the spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. A life that's engaged in Christ.
0: We hope you can join us for that message next time. And please remember that Ron's devotional booklet, Refuge, is yours for a donation of any amount. Whether dark clouds are gathering on the horizon or they're directly overhead, Refuge offers shelter from the storm. You can get it online at ronmore.org, or you may call 724-731-2018. That's 724-731-2018. Also, we invite Pittsburgh area listeners to visit our church website at biblechapel.org. There you'll find information about our area campuses and their ministries. They're located in Robinson, Rostraver, South Hills, Washington, and Wilkinsburg. Again, that address is biblechapel.org. And if the journey has brightened your day and deepened your walk with Christ, won't you tell your friends and family about our program? Finally, please keep in mind that the journey relies on your generous donations to remain on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Your gift today will be deeply appreciated. Thanks for listening. And we invite you to join Ron Moore next time as we walk together on the journey.